Hello everybody and eagle-eyed amongst you will notice we have a very, very, very VIP Raiders guest today, Mr. Gary Stronach, all the way from his home up in Northumbria. Gary, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yep, very well. Are you enjoying lockdown? Um, well, like everybody else, probably not, but uh, just got to stay positive, haven't you? I mean, just hopefully we'll all get through it. And, uh, keep doing the things the government are saying so uh yeah i mean just making the most of everything and just staying healthy every day yeah brilliant we've, we've so, had a great past the time we um we get together of an afternoon zoom somebody who uh, who is fully talk to us and uh, and ask them some inane questions that that they rather wish we hadn't so oh. yeah it's great Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you this before you signed up. So, so for, for those who are unfamiliar, so any newer Raiders fans who are unfamiliar, uh, Mr. Stronach, you were with the club for 25 long years. You joined in 1995, uh, sorry, 85-86, I believe, from Sunderland. That, yep, that's right. 85-6 and left 2009-10. That's right. Yeah. So 25 years. So there is a, there is a misconception sometimes it's 24 years, but it most certainly wasn't, wasn't it? So I think that was even longer yeah. than dad was with the club actually. Oh really? Yeah. It was, it was a long time, but uh, best years of my life, to be honest. I mean, uh, couldn't have wanted for a better, better situation down there. And um, yeah, got a 25 years of memories as you can imagine. When are you coming back to be with us again? Um, you know what, this is, you're not going to, we had a trip planned in May to come down to the West Country and uh, sadly, obviously we've had to cancel all the arrangements and everything, um, but uh, we hope to get down there as soon as we're out of all of this dreadful situation really. I mean, when it's safe to travel and everything, we, uh, we've got some very good friends down there and uh, we're looking forward to get back down there. I'm, I'm basically, I'm half and half. I'm half a Geordie and half a Janna. So, uh, you know, that's the way it is. I spent most of my time, well, most of my life at one stage, I had spent uh, longer in Plymouth than I had in the Northeast. So, um, you know, but like I said to Richard there, it was uh, 25 years of unbelievable ups and downs, but mostly ups. Great. Yeah, well, we can talk about some of those ups before we move on, actually. So you played 350, obviously my dad's been working hard in lockdown here. Oh, that's good so to hear. 357 games, uh, scoring 4,278 points, uh, which wow. gives you an average of 12 a game. Not bad, not bad. Uh, and on top of that, 900 rebounds and 775 assists. So in total, you played from 2001 uh, sorry, you played until 2001 from 1985 and you were player coach from 1994 to 2001. Not bad. Yeah. And a couple of records yeah. in that as well. So NBA, uh, NBL Division One playoffs in 96 and 98. Uh, the NBL Conference playoffs in 2000-2001. The EBL Division One title in 2003-2004 and the National Cup that same year in 2003-2004. I bet it all feels like yesterday, doesn't it? 
Uh, no. <laughs> if, if, don't get me wrong. That era between 96 and 04 was absolutely golden for us. I mean, we had unbelievable times. And just obviously the move to the pavilions was massive for us. Uh, I'm sure everybody who was involved in the club then would agree. We went from the Mayflower Centre and, and getting good crowds there, don't get us wrong. I mean, we had the core support there of, you know, three, four hundred and big games would get six, seven hundred. Um, but then moving to the pavilions and starting off that season, the 90, um, well, what year would that be? The 96, 90, I think. Yeah. I think it was the 96 season, yeah, we started there. And uh, we went from 400, and you can imagine, 400 in the pavilions gets pretty lost to um, selling out by the end of the season. And obviously, you know, Coleman's Championship uh, win at uh, Wembley when we took up. The road was just unbelievable scene. I mean, there's a sea of green behind the, one of the baskets, and it was tremendous. Um, so, and then obviously, like you said, every year after that to 2004, before we made the jump to the BBL, we were always winning trophies or there or thereabouts, finishing second, you know, and packing out the pavilion. So it was great. And then we made the BBL in 2004 5. Yeah, and of course, you won the BBL trophy in 2006 2007. Um, the first and only trophy um, that the club has got in BBL times. Hopefully not the last now. Um, no. But, I mean, how did that feel? How Did that feel any different from moving up from EBL to the BBL and winning that trophy? And, of course, it was in oh, your hometown. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? It's, tw it's 2020 now, and I still, I've been back in the Northeast for four years now, and I still get people coming up to us and saying, you know, oh my God, you beat Eagles in their own arena to win the trophy back in 2007. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, we, when we made the jump to the BBL, it was the right time for the club. And um, we had a plan of five years to win a trophy with years, which as you know, Richard, I mean, you were involved with Guildford and it's a tough league and you'll see, I mean, you know now how tough it is. Yeah. Um, even though we removed from it for 10 years. It's hard to win in that division, and it's, it's even harder to win a championship. So for us to win one in only our third season, and also, um, you know, the first two years, we took up beatings, to be honest. Uh, and down, we, put, we have some unbelievable performances, mostly at home. But winning on the road in that was really tough. Uh, but then in the third year, obviously, 2006-07, uh, we got that magic first trophy up in up in uh, Newcastle, um, which was great. I mean, and, and finished fifth that year. Um, we we're really not to, we made the playoffs, but we we're looking not to make that uh, jump, you know, after the first round. We went Rocks and Rocks team um, and lost very closely, to be honest. Um, then improved the year after I finished third. So it is a, it is a difficult, it, it, for us, it wasn't that bad a transition because I took a lot of players with me. I had a lot of belief in the players we had then and uh, you know, keeping a team together is, is absolutely massive no matter what sport you're in. And if you look in, in those years, if you look, we kept teams together. I did my utmost to keep the nucleus of six or seven players together. And it, 
the proof was in pudding, as I say, and you know, we won championships in Division One, and then moved up to the BBL and uh, won a trophy in our first three years. So, but in the conversation that that we're having at the moment is is nucleus that 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 is yours, um, uh, and yeah. how important that it. Whether it's in sport or in management or in anything, yeah. getting a core team together. And, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more, Paul. It's all it's all walks of life. It's not just sport. I mean, it, it goes past sport. Like you said, it goes into business yeah. as well. But if you've got guys that you believe in and they yeah. believe in you, then you're halfway to having a good company or a good product. Yeah. And um, you know, and and you for me, I mean, obviously it was building it around the players and then getting Americans on board or your foreign players on board to believe in that process that's going to be for you know a few years um, to get to where you want to be. Yeah. So how much do you miss playing? Golf? Uh, with a body like mine now, nothing. Um, yeah. you know, I, try, I try to stay healthy just by walking and things like that, but uh, my body took a toll through playing. So yeah. uh, I, I love to watch games, don't get me wrong. I mean, I watch big games on TV and things like that, but actually picking up a ball and bouncing it, I do not think I've done that for a good thing. Probably since the last time I was at Raiders, maybe 2010, <laughs> when I was you know, coaching the guys and you know, coaching in schools or whatever, you know, maybe that was the last time. But uh, you wouldn't want to see me in action now, that's yeah. for certain. I think it happens to all professionals. I mean, I... I after to play, he doesn't want to touch a ball. Like yeah. he wants to play professionally, you don't want to play again. Yeah, no. yeah, I, I agree. I do agree. It, um, it, the, the older you get, because your body does take a toll. Yeah. And uh, I've had some injuries through basketball, and um, you know, I just I just want to stay healthy. So mm -hmm. get out. Now we're in lockdown. Obviously, I just you know abide by what we're told and. Yeah. get out wet, then just try to do some workouts in the house type of thing and, and that's it but um i do miss playing i'm 20 30 years i'm happy enough to pick up a ball and, and go to you know go onto the court but um right now no i, I don't think i could yeah. I, I don't think i can play football anymore but i i miss playing i miss i miss everything about game day yeah. All you know, the excitement, the camaraderie, the the game, uh, the competition. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely. Must be, um, it must yeah. have been a terrible wrench for you leaving Plymouth after you after being there for twenty five years. What was that like? Always oh, difficult cause. I mean, it's very emotional. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you spend twenty five years of your career. I mean, I, I had a twenty. I was looking to have a twenty nine year career. I had four years in the northeast of Sunderland even though I'm a Geordie. I mean, uh, people tend not to understand that if you're in Newcastle or Sunderland, but oh, yeah. there, was, there wasn't a basketball team in Newcastle at the time. In fact, the Sunderland franchise is technically transferred to the Eagles. Uh, so yeah. Newcastle can trace its roots back to that Sunderland franchise. Um, so I spent four years playing with Sunderland, who were very good. Uh, I just kind of learned my career there, to be honest. We... Uh, we had teams in the Euro, yeah, the, well, what would be the Euro League now, I mean, uh, or the Euro Challenge. Um, some unbelievable players there. And um, being so young, I just learned off the, the very wise pros there and um, made the move to Plymouth. But, yeah, I mean, 
obviously we, we still keep in contact with a lot of people down there, um, you know, and uh, we try to we try to get down there when we can. But um, it was it was a massive wrench to leave. But at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I walked away, and um, life goes on. I mean, it does go on, you know. So, what were your most memorable? moments do you think so that's obviously a lot of trophy wins um over the years and players come and go what were your kind of most memorable games and years do you think um well obviously the first one uh, that we won that uh at Wembley, the playoff final against where um that was the one that always sticks in all the all the trophy wins or the championships always the years always stick in your mind um you know but i think more than anything is just the camaraderie and you know that some teams you can look at and they'll have an absolute list over my career just the 25 years you know if you look at the list of players that came to Raiders there's not that many Richard you would expect over a 20-year span there'd be a lot of players coming in but we have players there who had long-term careers even American players you know I think uh, DeAntoine Beasley I mean Cat played his whole pro career with Plymouth. Yeah. I mean, he played 10 years with Plymouth. And, uh, you know, you don't tend to get that. But you, the players are still there, I believe. I mean, I, I know I'm 10 years removed from the game, but I still believe there's players out there who are willing, if they're in the right program, to say, yeah, I'm in it for the long term, whether that's a two, three, five, 10 year plan. Yeah. As long as the player, the player should look after that team as well. It's a two-way process, but um, I mean, I think more than anything about winning games, it was just about just the personal banter that you get with players. And, you know, I was a player at one time and then I became a player coach and then I became a coach or a head coach or a civvies coach, as I say. So it was a massive trans uh, transition from just playing, listening to a coach to be a player coach. So I had to listen to myself and tell players and then just being a coach. So... I mean, yeah, the, the, the big games always stick in your mind, all the, the, the trophies and obviously the big girl trophy um, up here winning uh, in the castle was a huge game. I think that it's not all about the silverware. It was about, you know, building those relationships and long-term relationships as well. And players now, you I mean, you do talk to players and they still say Plymouth was the best time of my life, best time of my career rather, you know, just love it. You still get players from back then saying that which is great to hear you know it's 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 you know what the club them and and what we did for that those guys as players yeah all right go on Paul. Uh, Bashak, Bashak and I are fairly new to uh basketball we're we're learning and and, I'm, and I hope we're learning quickly but um as, as new people coming in what advice would you give us stay within a budget Yep. Um, You're telling it to the wrong person. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, keep a close yeah. eye on the budget. <laughs> yeah, keep a close eye on the budget. Yeah. Um, I think it coming through recruitment and the product as well. I mean, if you get out there and and I know you've got a good development and you're getting into the schools and, and things like that and use use your players as role models, which we, we always did. Um, players knew what they were coming into. When I sold them to the team, I always said, apart from playing, we expect you to do this as well. So the development, you know, hoops for health as we had then, 
Um, so things like that. I mean, it's all about the product at the end of the day. And, um, you know, the players have to, have to fit the, the character of the club. Um, but I mean, that's, I think it's, it's quite easy in a way. I mean, think if you keep it basic, you can't go wrong. I don't, I mean, that's my person, not that I'm a businessman or anything, but I just think if you've got the right product and you've got the right people running that product, then, you know, you can't go wrong with it. And you've got, in Plymouth, you've got the best fans in the, in the whole league. I mean, I'll say that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Geordie. I'm not from there, but you have the best fans in the league. And I'm sure there's going to be people that argue that from other points of view. Newcastle are well-supported. Leicester are well-supported. And there's other teams that are being very, but year in, year out, losing programme, winning programme, you've got your core supporters down there. And uh, I'm sure there's, but there's, you know, fans that still go to the game that were at when I was there, when I was coaching there. Maybe not playing because, you know, I'm pretty old. So, <laughs> but as in, like, um, you know, yeah. spectator, you've got season ticket holders who have been season holders for years and years and years. Because I love the club, of what, what you guys are doing and, you know, what we did back in the day. And uh, I think it goes back... I said as well, Paul, was the have the more you have a nucleus of players, coaches, and people who are running the volunteers, and you have that year after year, fans can associate with that. Where if you change, people fans don't understand that, and then you know they can't they can't get a, a, a grasp of a player. Whereas if you have them for a, a few, I understand the people, you know, players have to be cut and things like that. But I think that if you can get a, that nucleus of players and then bring players in around them, and if they leave after a year, fair enough, or a season or two seasons, then fair enough. But if you can try to keep the team together, then um, the, you keep the team together if they're successful. I mean, if they're not successful, then changes have to be made. Yeah. So welcome back. Quick swap around while we uh, sort out internet problems. And uh, Gary's now down on that side, If uh, just in case anyone was confused. Uh, so before we, uh, we took that quick break, Gary, you were talking about the, the importance of continuity. Um, and I think if you look back at, at the teams you had uh, to the point you left, you had the likes of uh, Gavin Love, Jamie Loveridge, Richard Whitehouse, um, Ali Gall, Jay Marriott, uh, you know, Lee Robinson, all these guys, Brian Barton, Wayne Barton, you know, all these guys that came up through the Plymouth system, didn't they? So you, you, were, you had that great nucleus of players, not only who were local to Plymouth, but then with the uh, establishment of the initial Marjon uh, discussions uh, and contract, we had uh, the likes of Myron Miley and um, Dean Williams and Rod Wellington as well. So... Uh, there was a great advantage back in those days, isn't it? You, you actually had the ability of local talent and guys coming to Plymouth and sort of yeah. building. Yeah, most definitely. That, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head there with um, the, the British players. We were very lucky to have some Plymouth-born or, you know, that area, Devon or Cornwall. Mm. Like you said, Richard Whitehouse, Jamie Loveridge, um, Gavin, Gavin Love, um, Ali Gall. I mean those guys were, could play at a high level, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. But I, it's funny you just said that, and I could just name these guys, like if you, these British players, very much so, they either were in Plymouth, so 
they were born there or they had moved to the area or they came on the back of a scholarship. And I would pay money to see these guys play now. If, if we could, if you listen to this, Loveridge, White House, Wellington Goal, Williams, Dean Williams, Love, Danny James, Tilly, Gareth Till, Mike oh, Riley, Jamie, Jamie Birchall, Anthony Rowe, Mark mm. Cahill, Tony Watchman, Terry Leonard, Paul Oswald, Paul Holsworth, Gareth Laws, Mark Leach. Yeah. You, those guys in their prime, I know it's a vast array of, you know, people have been near and 50 now, but if you could just squash them all in between the ages of, say, 21 and 27, divide those 22 players, two 11-man squads, you would physically play money to watch those guys play. Yeah. And they would play at a high level. You know, they would what are you suggesting? Are we suggesting we get a Masters team together in charge? No, but I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Good idea. The, um, the, the local talent or the talent coming to the area through scholarship opportunities and playing at a, on, a, on a good team that had a chance to win championships um, you know, was a great opportunity for those guys. And uh, luckily, like I said, the move to the pavilions and things like that were, was, was great for us. But if, also, Richard, if you throw in, they are just pure British players, but if you threw in Jimmy Smith, Anthony Martin, Pete Nettle, Deng Deng, and now Drew Lasker and Galen Moore, who are British passport holders, you've got like, you know, and two teams that probably would compete in the Big Yell right now. Yeah. So it's, like I said, it's not hard. It's just getting those guys there and getting them believing in a program that works. And also, because basketball, we're never going to get rich out of it. But basketball, if you can say you're going to get a degree out of this, and when you get, if you don't want to go into coaching or you know, you're not interested in getting into coaching or something like that or, or furthering your career in basketball, but you want to do this, then you've got a, a degree from Mar Johns right there. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, like so Gavin, Alice, um, sorry, Dean, Roderick, they all did degree. Myron, the, Gareth Laws, they all did degrees at Mar Johns. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have, sorry, I have a, No, I have a lot to learn from Gary. I need to call him more often. Yeah, it goes <laughs> hand in hand, Basha. I mean, education and basketball goes hand in hand. A lot. Absolutely. Unlike unlike some sports, other sports mm -hmm. that I won't mention, but basketball uh, and education go hand in hand. I mean, you know, a lot of players are educated to degree level. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of players want to be on degree courses or master's courses as well. That, um, that's what so. we are trying to do. I know you know about BAE Global. You know, we are the largest education group in Europe in terms of number of students. And uh, we have 170,000 students that are at the age from kindergarten to 18. And right. we, have, we have basketball schools all throughout. And then we have six universities in the, around the world. But what we are saying, and you know, we have a professional team in Turkey also, but what right. we are saying to the talented ones, that's the goal we are trying to put out there. You have a scholarship to go to the UK. If you're a good basketball player, get the degree, you learn the language better, you get to live in the UK, you get to play basketball in the UK. And coming it from somebody like you, I think would be a great example. Thank you, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, like I said, it's um, it's pretty easy. It's hard. I mean, 
in the, the, uh, also you've got to get the right type of personalities mm -hmm. you've got to get people who believe in that that's what they want to do i yeah. mean it's difficult i mean i you know i went through education i did a degree at mar john's as well but i did it as a, a mature student mm -hmm. so um i know how much goes into that and also trying to juggle the life of a basketball player or a basketball coach at the same time um but it's possible and it's a challenge as well i mean you know but um i think that's that's the way to build a club i mean for sure um and you're going to get good players at the end of it. I mean, you will. I mean, I, like I said, Richard knows. Richard knows a lot of those guys that I've talked about that were in my era. Um, you know, mostly when I was either a player coach or the head coach. Not so much when I was just playing. I mean, these are guys who are, you know, 10, 15 years younger than me now. Um, so, and they would probably, I would like to think a large percentage would agree that I had a great time down there. And uh, yeah, they got they got education with it. I've seen a lot of them are still around. I mean, you got Jamie Loveridge, um, yeah. uh, who's who's teaching just down the road at Tall Bridge from us at, at Marjon. Uh, Gareth Laws has moved back to Devon now as well, and Richard Whitehouse is teaching in the city. Um, Ali Gall is is working at Plymouth University, so a lot of these guys aren't are still around. But um, you're totally right. I mean, what, the one thing that we wanted to do um, when Ross and I took the club on three years ago was to emulate what what we used to have with Marjon back in the day. Um, and if you look at, so originally we just had Denzel Ubiara who came in um, and he's been with us three years. Uh, but going into next year, we should have around about 20 students wow. that we've gone out and recruited down to a, a basketball program. And, and, and these aren't scholarship players. These are guys that we've, we've said, look, if you want to come and play basketball and you want to get a good education, here's the place to, to come. Um, and we're attracting kids who don't understand, well, you've probably never heard of Marjon. Um, yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's, we know it very well because we're in and around the city, but actually it's not a huge university. It's a lot, there's, a lot of people describe it as a boutique university, but it's, um, it's very focused on, on the sport and teaching. And, um, and it's been a really good draw. They have such fantastic facilities up there now with multi-million pound sports facilities and the sports therapy and um, the strength and conditioning and, um, and we're bringing some really good kids down. I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna get the kids who who are good enough to go to the states. But what we're able to do is offer that opportunity for kids to to go to somewhere to get their UK education and still play basketball. And if they're good enough, they can they can train with the BBL side and um, play for the Bucks team. And we're looking at sort of second team in uh, in the next couple of years as well. Um, but you're right. I mean, that's that's the way we're looking at building that core while we wait for sort of players to come through the system again, because we've probably only got one or two players in our regional and national league program who might make it at the moment. But Anthony Rowe, I think was the last player that, that we developed in Plymouth and, and you will have been the one developing him. Um, but that's the last player who sort of came through and played for the BBL team really. Yeah. I think you've done, you, you get, I mean, you're dead, right. You've got to have that stepping stone process. I mean, um, and it is big if you could get a, the second team, whether you know they're playing in Division Three or Division Two of the ABL, um, and then you have the junior development as well. But as you know, it's it's um, it's difficult. You've got to get coaches to do that, haven't you? I mean, I don't yeah. know. I, I am far removed. Obviously, I do look at results of the BBL still, but I'm very far removed from what's gone on in the last ten years, Richard. Apart from what I've heard uh, or what I've read. Um, you know, so like 2010, that was it with me. In the, 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 next, the last 10 years, all I know is, like I said, I've looked from the outside looking in. Yeah. Thing. 
Um, so, and also about basketball in general. I mean, yeah, I mean, came back from the Middle East in 2016. And um, Newcastle being on my doorstep, I have been to a few of their games. Not a lot, but um, so I'm not even up to date really that much with the, what's going on in the BBL. I mean, I know who the dominant force is or, you know, which teams and players. I know certain players who are lighting up the leagues there. But um, I kind of lost touch with what's going on in, with Raiders totally. Um, but, you, I mean, you seem to have the right idea about all the development. That's the way. I mean, if you want a BBL team at the top, you need those, those players that we've mentioned yeah. along with your imports, whether they're Europeans or whether they're Americans. But you, those guys that you're bringing in have to get on the program as well. They, you know, they have yeah. to be with the program. There's no point in bringing in a, a superstar that's going to average 40 and 20, but he doesn't distribute the ball. He doesn't want to know about your coaching programs. It's yeah. all about me. me. There's no point in having him. No. You know, we, I literally can say hand on heart, I can't think of one player we had was like that. I mean, some yeah. players had to be knocked down a peg or two, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, a high percentage of the players bought into the program. Um, yeah. And you'll get there. There's no doubt about that. I mean, um, and it's just, well, I, I mean, think just Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I think one thing I was particularly disappointed about was um, uh, there wasn't a junior league here in the city. Um, so Raiders Development uh, did a very good job of, of picking up the kids who wanted to play in the city and they would come to one location which is city college it's now tall bridge at the time and you were looking uh, 18 months ago around about 130 kids playing across the city um but but we were playing we were traveling up to gloucester to play at weekends all the way down to yeah. you know the, the deepest darkest cornwall but there was no opportunity to play in the city like we used to do when we were kids yeah. playing junior league so uh at the start of last year we just started six teams across you know, the Plimstock Pelicans and the Plimpton Pacers and the Saltash Suns and named them all something different. Um, and over the last 18 months, we've gone from having 130 kids playing in the city to nearly 500. Oh, it's that's just brilliant. phenomenal. And that, those kids will now feed into that National League program. But um, the amount of interest we're getting now, and at all our junior programs now, we use, or the club teams are under 12, we're using the players, exactly what, what you've just said. Um, and the great thing about that is the, the, the players like to do it every week because they're not just going into schools and teaching kids how to bounce the ball. They're going to see the same kids week in, week out. They can see the improvements. They're working with them. They're getting to know their parents. Um, and they're loving it. They're really enjoying it. And, you know, I, I won't stop until we've got two, 3,000 kids playing across the city, um, which will be amazing. And then hopefully that's where our players from the future will come from. That would be amazing. That's your development right there. And, yeah, um, yeah. Also, also the educational packages that basketball was mentioning about. I mean, then you can bring players in as well through that, yeah. which is which, 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 it seems like a great link up. I mean, that's that's awesome, it really does. So uh, going back to your playing days, then you uh, you played with some great players over the years. Who were some of your favourites? Um, first year I got here, I still remember it. Really, I got there rather not here. Um, Bob. Bob Currett picked us up at the train station after a 10-hour train drive from, uh, from Newcastle. Um, took me down, this is, you won't even remember this, Richard, probably. Took me down straight away to the city centre and could drive all around the city centre. Yeah. It wasn't pedestrianised. So it was absolutely oh, yeah. heaving, absolutely heaving that place. And I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty good. Um, 
And I played that weekend. It was kind of like if I suited that the team and uh, or you know or the, mm. did the team want me? And I, we ended up playing against a Saudi Arabian team who, believe it or not, um, was Etihad of Saudi Arabia, who were like the a very good team over there. Right. Who my ex coach left Sunderland at the same time to go and coach Etihad. He's All called right. he's called Randy Hefner. So he rocks up in Plymouth and I'm playing against his old team, his new team rather. Um, and he was like, how crazy is that? So I had a good weekend. I played all okay. Um, and the, well, the rest is history. I signed. But um, that first year we had two Americans called Dave Downey and um, Glenn Clyburn. Unfortunately, Glenn... Um, went home around Christmas time and we picked up um, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Smith. Um, but Dave Downey, Richard, was a next-level player. He had been playing at a high level in Europe and we were very lucky. I don't know how, but Raiders were very lucky to pick him up. I mean, yeah. he was on a different level, different level. Um, and on top of that, he was so charismatic. He was just so great to be around. Um, and then obviously Jimmy Smith, who you know, Richard, yeah, yeah. Uh, was a great, great point guard, distribution, uh, unbelievable jump shot. Um, so those two guys, it was easy just to fit in. And then you take, like I said to you, that's where like so Tony Watchman, Terry Leonard came in, Rick um, Ringham and Beish, um, yeah. you know, the Exeter guys, John Tyrell. So those, those were local based teachers, those two, Ringham and Beish. And uh, obviously Terry, and Tony were very good British players. Um, Bradley Niles, sadly, I mean, he's the, the you know, he's the player departed now. But um, we, that was a great first year, even though it wasn't a successful first year. And it was a different, a different. Um, it was kind of like a leveling for me because I've come from a, a top Division One team to play in a Division Two team. And um, Bob Curric, man, I miss him so much. He's just we all do, yeah. Yeah, he kind of molded us because he was so laid back, but you just knew what he wanted. And um, he kind of molded me as a, as a player and a coach type of thing. I always uh, think back. And Frank, obviously, who's still around, Frank Pocock. Um, you know, but that, that, was, that was great times our first year. And then moving on, we had a, a um, I think your brother was instrumental in getting them there, a guy called Chris Huey. Yeah, um, played, at, played at Fredonia State, which is a div small Division Three college, but he could have played Division One. Um, you know, and again, a great player, uh, inside outside game, um, along with um, John Goodemort as well. I mean, he he was, uh, and I still keep in contact with John Goodemort. I threw him as a, I class him as a true friend. Yeah. Um, he's teaching in the states now, and um, yeah. So I mean, those type of players you know, were great players. And also one other player that sticks in my memory is, um, I think it was my first year as head, like a player coach, um, was Wayman Boone. Oh yeah, yeah. That guy was a walking, just buckets. I mean, he would yeah. get you, he averaged, I mean, it was the year when you were only allowed one American, one overseas players. That's right, yeah. I mean, literally, Richard, he could score, he averaged 40 points a game for us. And yeah. um, about 20 rebounds a game. And he was like 6'4". Yeah. yeah. 
But he moved on. He played BBL after that. I think he stood one year with us and Cheshire. Yeah, yeah, I've got a feeling he played for PJ as well at at Thames Valley. Oh, right. Possibly. I I know one of our guys did from then. But yeah, he was was superb. I remember him. So, I mean, I've got some really happy memories from just playing, purely playing. Ted Holtling. I was, you know, thinking the Americans that we had. Teddy came from Albany. Um, he's now coaching in the States at a Division Two school. He is, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, that was there was good times. It was hard times. I mean, we, we, the, you know, the, the year that we had no place to play because the Mayflower roof was leaking. And you yeah, we that, did, yeah. Or we're playing a Coombean school. We're playing Ivy Bridge. We're playing China yeah. Fleet. Like we'll rock up to practice and they'll be like, well, we're going to play here this year, this week, lads. This is where we're playing. We never shot on the rims or anything. It was like, well, just had to do what you had to do. I remember that one game when we turned up to the Mayflower and it did start raining inside the Mayflower Centre. Uh, and I think we were playing Brixton that day, which is, yeah, I think it yeah. was, which is always a surprise if they turned up or not. But yeah, um, yeah right just before the game, we had to decide to ship everyone to Coombe Dean, which is about six miles away. So there was about an hour and a half delay in the game while we actually just moved venues and everyone packed in around this little school sports hall, didn't we? Brilliant. Yeah. I don't. I mean, yeah, it was great, but you, I don't think you get away with that now with your health and safety with there. Uh, oh God, no. Game abandoned, I'm afraid. Well, you, you talk about Jimmy Smith. I mean, he had that habit of uh, lick, licking his hands and touching his shoes. I mean, that seems yeah, inconceivable. Right. Uh, yeah, in this yeah. day and age now. <laughs> You've got to do that every time you go at the free-for-all line, yeah. 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 So what about players you played against then? Um, well, there's been a lot of good players out there. I mean, obviously, um, E.J. Harrison. When, when we had those battles with Teesside. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So like E.J. Harrison, um, Ralph Bucci, um, Jason Swain. You could have had Corey Jackson, they had Pete Nectel one year. Um, so Teesside always had a very good team. And yeah. um, uh, Worthen, obviously, we, uh, we played against Worthen when they had Herman Harid from Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. They called him the human helicopter. I mean, he would just like play above the rim, basically. Mm. Uh, if it's in the paint, it was a dunk. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we actually played up as well. So um, we played. When I was player coach, we played like Leopards when they were in the BBL and we were one of the top teams in Division 1. Just like in which do now, where you invite teams into yeah. that. Yeah, so we had Towers at home. Um, so we played like Danny, I can't if you remember, uh, Danny Lewis. Yeah, Danny, like Danny yeah. Lewis, the point guard, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, some, some great players there. Mm. I mean, uh, but Division 1 back then, um, in that golden era, there were some very good players. I think you could take two or three of those Division One teams and you could probably fit them into the BBL now. Um, you know, I'm not going to say there'll be world beaters in the BBL, but um, I, I, uh, I think they could definitely hold their own in, in yeah. a lot of the games. Um, so, yeah, it was, like I said... Well, I think in the same now. Memories. Yeah, you've got, you've got Solent now. You've got... Um... Uh, Worthing, who were good contenders to come up. Um, Thames Valley uh, are doing really well. So you've got some really strong teams that could come up, venues permitting. But um, yeah. Solent Kestrels did really well this year. They beat, well, they beat um, Manchester in Manchester and they beat Bristol to go through. Uh, and yeah. then they beat 
they beat the Lions at the Lions venue at the Copper yeah, Box to go through. I mean, a great side, fantastic side. Yeah. See, that, that type of team, it has to be right for them to move up, but that's the thing. That's, that's why it was just right for us in 2004-05. Um, I mean, we had won consistently over the, the previous years, and it was the right time for us to, to, to step up because um, you know, financially it wasn't as big a burden as it used to be in the BBL then. Um, so I think, um, you know, hopefully those teams that you mentioned might make that jump, but it's got to be right for the team, isn't it? I mean, yeah. And, the, and for the, for the organization. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I, I guess there's no fun year after year winning. I wouldn't like, if, if we were talking now and we had literally for those six years, just absolutely monopolized the whole of the division one and you're like, oh, you're reflecting back on 18 championships. There's not much fun in that, is there? I mean, I think you want to be competitive in life. And uh, yeah. you want teams to be able to beat you on certain nights. And you want to beat those guys. And I think the, the years in the BBL with me, and I'm pretty certain you probably might, well, you might agree with this, is that it's very competitive. Yeah. So you don't know a top team, like the team in first spot, could well lose to a team lower down on a certain yeah. night. So, I mean, that's what you want out of the league. That's, yeah. that's, that would be great in any league because then the fans are on the edge of the seat. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, we've got Newcastle today. I wonder if we'll beat Newcastle. We've got Leicester. You know, we beat those guys on the road last week or, the, you know, the last month or whatever. Yeah. So that's what you want. You want a really competitive league. You don't want one or two teams that are just dominating. No. No, and I think that's a bit of a concern going into to next season um, that some teams have, have raised. You know, the, the conditions uh, to run a basketball club are not ideal at the moment everything's on hold. Um, so yeah. I know next year there are a lot of teams looking at uh, keeping their budgets very, very much under control. And, um, but there were a couple of teams in the league who were lucky enough to, to, to have funding um, to support them who were looking to go the other direction and um, yeah. potentially play in Europe either. So, you know, how do we avoid um, a league this year where we, we have one or two runaway clubs and, and not the rest? But, you know, it's extraordinary times. I think um, we, we shouldn't look at it in just a case of one or two seasons. No. We need to look at it in you know, five or six the seasons. Main, the important thing out of this is everybody survives, uh, yeah. you know, the, 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 as in the teams. And, you know, you can move on. If you have that for a couple of seasons, Richard, then that's just one of those things. And, and you know, the true supporters, they, they know that. I mean, you know, they, it's like looking at their football, you know, the Manchester Cities, the Liverpools, the teams very much, those top four teams, top five teams have the money. Um, I mean, Newcastle have the money, but we don't seem to spend it, so. Well, you do uh, now. Haven't you got a new yeah. owner or has that not gone through yet? It hasn't gone through. I mean, it might have gone through today, but the latest that I'd heard, it's very close, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, Can have you got, got in, sorry, go on, Paul. In, in, in all your years of playing, like, have you got a favourite basket? You know, the, the, the one that you relive in your, in your dreams? Uh, um, not really, I don't think. I think one game I caught on fire at the Mayflower against Crystal Palace. Yeah. They had beaten us. This was way back in, in Division One days, years. They had beaten us by 40 points the week, literally the week before. I mean, annihilated us. Yeah. And they came into the Mayflower um, where we played at the time. And I think it was the semi-final of the trophy. It might have been the semi-final of the trophy. And um, they just walked in there so cocky, 
so sure of themselves uh, and we just put a beating on them and I'd probably uh, I, I did play pretty well that game I think maybe one out of you know the hundred that I do play okay and <laughs> luckily it was the semi-final of the trophy um, but that was that was I think that was infamous uh, Trent Forbes stick crutch oh is it that game that was the game yeah oh yeah. I've got plenty of stories but none of them are None, none for public here and there, you know, but <laughs> that, that one I can say because that is, I know that's out in the public domain, yeah. the uh, Trent Forbes incident, who again was a, he, that's another guy who was a great player. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he went on to play, I, I don't know if I, I might be wrong on that, I think he went to Russia to play high, pretty high level. I think so. I mean, he went to a good college, he went to Providence. Um, uh, and then I don't know how we picked them up. Vic Fleming was the coach at the time and he was a diamond, like six foot guard, could do it all. Um, and if you ask the older players, they'll, they'll be like, yeah, he's, he was one of the, one yeah. of the better imported players we had for definite. Can you and remember course, him, Richard? Oh God, yeah. No, he, he oh, really no, influenced no. me. Uh, I got a feeling I was there when he was picked up at the airport. Um, right. But yeah, I remember he had branding in his arms. That was part of their, um, uh, their college yeah. life. They had to go th through you know, actually yeah. getting brands on their arm. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was superb. And I, yeah, I remember, I think I was table officiating that day or I was there or thereabouts when um, he decided to pick a fight with one of the Crystal Palace players who was about five times his size. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, yeah. And, then picked, <laughs> and then picked up someone's crutch from the crowd to defend himself yeah. uh, before running out of the arena, I think, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. Oh, yeah, we've not had anything like that since. We've had uh, Foxy pull shorts down a couple of times. I mean, oh, I remember you walking across the floor and marching Foxy off after one of those times. Yeah, the threw him. Uh, yeah. The ref, that was the, oh, I remember that game. The refs, one of the refs came up to us and he's like, we're going to throw Foxy. We're going to toss him. And I'm like, go, go ahead. He's like, can you escort him out? And I was like, hold on a minute. You're the ref. You're throwing him out. Why should I? So I, I ended up walking to Chris and being like, Chris, they're tossing you. And he's like, what? I'm like, you're out of here. So typical, typical Foxy, you know, he's, he, his head just drops like that. Well, you know, all the crowd are like, oh, gasping, like, booing and everything. These refs were like the, the pantomime villains then. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, Foxy's in a, he's in a different district, isn't he? So... Well, Bashak's yeah. learning how uncontrollable Foxy can yeah, be. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He's hard to keep a hold of. Like, yeah, he's uh, definitely... We took him out to visit Istanbul. Um, oh, right. Beginning of March. Um, and that was absolutely hilarious. It was. the uh, To see Foxy performing in the airport, you could never do it at Heathrow, but we, were, <laughs> we arrived at Istanbul Airport. Out comes Foxy. Through customs, that's uh, right. The the, uh, crowd, the crowd in the airport, you know, people had no idea who he was or where he from, but they loved him. So you've, yeah. you've got people from all around coming up to get their photo taken with the fox. Police officers, you know, everyone, the customs people. Yeah. But I learned he's uncontrollable. Yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. You need somebody stern around him, basically. Give him yeah, keep him uh, in check. I've had to, I had to do that a couple of times, but uh, he's great. Gets the crowd going, and the crowd love him. 
yeah. the, the kids, the children, just absolutely come to the game to see Foxy. Yeah. So, I mean, Me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah the only reason Bashant comes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, well, because the majority of the reason, I'm teasing now, the players will start believing every time I say that. But yeah, I love Foxy. Yeah, yeah it's good. Very good. It's good. Best mascot in the league. You've got the best fans and the best mascot. I mean, yeah. what more do you want? Absolutely. Um, so it's been a while since you've, uh, you've spoken to fans and, and spoken to the club, as you said. You've, you've not been around the club. So is there anything you particularly want to say to fans now? Well, of course. I mean, obviously... Um, just stay safe. I mean, that's uh, right now. I mean, it's been great, to be honest, just to let our hair down and talk about the old days and everything. But we go back to what the serious thing is and, um, you know, just follow the government guidelines. And, uh, you, you know, one day, hopefully, I'll get back to the, uh, the pavilions and see everybody there. And uh, we'll be able to um, not have to socially distance. <laughs> um, that would be nice. It would be nice, but uh, at the minute, I mean, the thing is, it's just, the big thing for me is just please just follow what the government are saying. It's We know that it's going to be in it for the long haul, but um, good things will come at the end of it. Just stay positive and stay upbeat about it, um, but please just stay safe. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And you've got to promise us you're going to come to a game this year. You know, sure, yeah. You've got to come down, be our guest of honour. <laughs> You can look after yeah. Foxy for Bashak. <laughs> I can share Foxy for the day, okay. <laughs> okay, no worries. Great, great speaking, being great speaking to you guys. They're really nice to meet you both. Um, Thank you. Obviously, I've known Richard since he was about eight years old, so he's changed a bit. But um, great to see you two guys, and uh, good luck in the future. Uh, good luck, Raiders. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.